What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? We back. We back. And welcome to episode 50 <laughs> Of the Believe in Astros podcast on Believe Podcasting Network. 50! They said it wouldn't last. Actually, no one said that. Uh, spring train is, training is open, <laughs> and we are on episode 50. What a time to be alive. I'm Jeff Balky, alongside my partner, Jeff Blum, who's returning from a trip without internet. Did they also have water oh, there, Blummer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean did it you doesn't have to live up outhouse? to like, your idea of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, but another you just find us- brilliant advertising by uh, Airbnb. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate it. Right. Zero stars, Airbnb on that one for sure. Zero stars. Yeah. You can find Killing us on Spotify. <laughs> right. Oh, dude. Well, I was in Austin. Remember that one time, like during the World Series and I had no Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. I'm like, and that was another Airbnb. It's like, thanks a lot, Airbnb. Next time I'm staying at a Marriott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to keep up with us and give us a follow on Twitter at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27 everywhere on social media. Uh, thanks to everyone who's given us five stars and left reviews on Apple. If you haven't, just go ahead and get that done. I'm just, I'm not even asking, I'm just telling. Obviously, we'll send us your comments. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, send us your comments, questions. We love seeing all of them and we read them all. For example, is Jordan Alvarez really only the ninth best player in baseball? Is Aaron Judge the second? We will discuss. Uh, <clears throat> Blummer, how are you doing this morning? I see you made it back from Arkansas. Did you uh, end up with dysentery or the gout? <laughs> <laughs> I kid. Arkansas is a beautiful, beautiful place. No. Uh, you know what? My brother actually played baseball at the University of Arkansas. Really? So I had a, a, a preconceived notion that he didn't help encourage because... <laughs> He, he's a California kid and yeah. uh, got recruited, was able to play in Arkansas. But at the same time, the pictures that he was taking and sending back to me when he was at school, I was like, damn, you're skinning deer now, you know, and stuff like this. So uh, he, he fed into that uh, idea. But when I got up there for my daughter and uh, started checking things out, I really started to feel fall in love with the place just because it's Super. gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, there's hills, there's uh, rivers, there's hiking, there's biking. Uh the the you know the college town restaurants are amazing and mm-hmm. obviously I get spoiled when I go there because I know enough people at Arkansas to be able to sit courtside and watch a, you know an NCAA basketball game which was an absolute blast so I'm happy to be back but it was a it was a great worthwhile trip yeah Arkansas is actually really beautiful my wife and I went there a number of years ago to Magazine Mountain which is just spectacular. Uh, really, really beautiful place. Driving through some of the small towns is an interesting experience, much like driving yeah, through. It's kind of like driving through East <laughs> Texas. You're just going to keep on moving, get a full tank of gas, and just keep rolling right on through. But uh, but I tell you what, it is a uh, man and hot springs. You just you can't really yeah. beat it. You just can't really beat it. It's lovely. So um, let's let me do a quick. Let's talk about it just to our sponsor. Uh, we may as well get our ad in here yeah. for our, for Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season. Everything from college basketball, which you just mentioned, pro basketball, which we're not going to mention, uh, mm-hmm. UFC, MMA, and more. Go Cougs! By the way, still number one 
in the nation. Although everyone keeps talking about, will Kansas be a number one seed? Who cares? Kansas is going to lose to the Cougars regardless of what happens because U of H is awesome. All hail Marcus Sasser. You'll always find the best odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. I will say quickly a note from last time when I was flying solo. I was trying to say Mookie Betts, and I said Mookie Blaylock, and this not only does it not only does it date me by telling you what, but it also tells you I've only known a couple of Mookies in my life. Um, I guess Mookie yeah. Wilson would be the other one that would be a possible uh, Mookie. But my apologies to the Betts family. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. By the way, here's a quick, a quick little. And someone pointed this out to me on Twitter. Um, one of uh, Greg Cartlett, who who follows us, is that Mookie Blaylock was almost Pearl Jam's name. Pearl Jam was going to call themselves Mookie really? Blaylock because they're all big basketball fans, but they realized it might not be okay with Mookie Blaylock. He was a star at at for the Atlanta Hawks at the time, and oh, wow. uh, I think they determined maybe. Using an actual person's name might not be okay, <laughs> so they won't say your nil money right there. You have to pay big time, <laughs> right? Especially today, good lord. <laughs> um, and then, and if, if you're a pro, man, forget it. You're just now. You're just oh, talking yeah. pure licensing. Never mind. Yep. And um, considering how good that band and how long they've been playing, you would have right? been making a lot of money. They'd be like one, two, three, four. Mookie against one. That's like it's like I'm telling you, man. They, I mean, Mookie would be making some serious bank. Not that I, I mean, I'm sure Mookie play like did very well in in the uh, in basketball. I don't know. And why am I spending so much time talking about Mookie Blaylock? That I'm is not... one thing I had no idea when I signed up for this. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just like who the. Is Mookie Blaylock? Like, Dear God, um, what are we doing? No, I'm just exactly. <laughs> All right. So, getting past my uh, faux pas from the other day, Steve Blumer, this is what happens when you let me go by myself. I end up saying ridiculous. I know. Things. I had so much faith, dude. <laughs> I thought you did a great job. Other than that, I appreciate that. So, I want to talk about one thing that I'm a little bit curious about you as a former player, and that is Anderson Comas. He's a White Sox um, minor leaguer who just came out as gay last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the third minor leaguer in baseball history to do this. And not from a political standpoint, but I'm just curious. At this point in time, do we think players even will care? Like, I, you know, I kind of feel like it's at a point where we've been through this so much. I mean, it's such a part of, of sort of general society. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it back in the 70s or 80s or whatever. There, probably, there was a huge stigma and there still is to some degree, but I mean, there are gay people in the military. They're, you know, in every walk of life. We all know gay people. We all have friends and mm-hmm. relatives. I just kind of wonder at this point, is it, would it even be a big deal if a major leaguer came out? Well, I just, you know, just real quickly, I, I just hope we get to the point where we can stop being so divisive and just include. I mean, everybody's got their issues. Everybody's sure. got their personalities. Everybody's got their things that they do. And, you know, eventually we're going to get to the point where we're just like, okay, we're all messed up. We're all going to love each other and let's let's move on together. And that's kind of the idea in the clubhouse for me. And I've actually spoken about this, you know, several times with um, my uh, on my other podcast with uh, David Tuttle. You know, when you're in a clubhouse, and you and you 
like right now, you're sitting there in spring training and you're looking around at, you know, the, there's 65 guys in camp. There's 25, 26 now that are going to break with the team. And when you look to your left, when you look to your right, you're going, okay, who, who's going to be in this thing with me and grind it out and battle their ass off and play this game? And that's all you care about. You know, it doesn't matter race, creed, religion, you know, uh, sexual right. preference. I mean, those are those are all off the field things to somebody that means something. But while we're in here in this clubhouse, we're going to go out there and battle and I'm going to back you up and I'm going to support you the best I can. And I really hope that that's the idea uh, in sports now across the board, whether it be basketball, football, hockey, baseball, you know, that we are going to go out there. We're going to be supportive. We're going to play this game as hard as we can, win some ball games, and then uh, celebrate afterwards. And I think that's the idea. But uh, in this day and age, you're, you're right. I think we're to the point now where we're like, okay, there it is. You know, that he that he is who he is, and we're just going to keep playing the game, and it shouldn't be uh, that big a deal. As Chris Rock once said, everybody got at least a gay cousin. You know, yeah. it's like, I, mean, no, I mean, I think it's just dude. to me, it's it's I, I think it's much ado about nothing. I mean, it was funny that that uh, and not to say that it's not important for people to come out and and mm-hmm. speak their truth. That is, I mean, it's good for him for doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously the marginalized communities of our society and, and uh, the LGBTQ plus community is certainly well among that. But I mean, this is I feel like this is a kind of thing where um we need to break this barrier, right? Just mm-hmm. to get it out of the way so that it just doesn't become an issue anymore um, so that we can just deal with it and move on. Um, people are going to hate it, and that's the, their prerogative because people are weird. But for the most part, like you said, I mean, if the military can handle it, and you see all these reports from people in the military like, we don't care. Like, that guy's fighting alongside of us. Who do, what do we care, you know? Um, so if they can handle it, I'm pretty sure professional sports can handle it. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Anyway, moving on. I'm curious about this. So we, I just looked, did some reading about the new pitch timer, and I find this fascinating. And I want to oh. get your take on this because there's a really good story in MLB.com about breaking down how the pitch clock actually works. And what I did not realize is that there is there is a group of people who work in Major League Baseball called field timing coordinators. Now these guys have been around forever. But nobody's known about them because they mainly just kind of kept track of the the, the play of the game, the pace. Yeah, but now they're going to be in charge of the actual pitch clock. And okay. one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this is that the pitch timer—it's 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 seconds with the runner in base. The timer starts the moment the pitcher receives the ball and stops the moment he goes into his motion. That is yep. the part I think is really interesting because these guys, these FTCs, the, uh, they are going to be responsible. <laughs> I know. That's what oh, they call we, them. Another, another what anagram or whatever they call it, it to, to run what, the world. Let's go. That's, that's what they called it in the, in the, uh, in the story <laughs> on Major League Baseball, like on MLB. You know what FTC stands for, right? F the uh, clock. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> <Just> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. But I mean, these guys are in charge. They got their fingers on the button, man. It reminds me yeah. of like back when the when the uh, Rockets nearly lost a game to Utah because the guy didn't turn the clock oh, on. Oh, dear God, and it's, I know. You know. 
So you're going to have issues like that, by the way. Yes, exactly. That's what I wanted to talk about yep. is this, this, you know, that ultimately, you know, one of the things about technology and everybody's talking about AI now, right? And how it's mm-hmm. going to, you know, all this stuff. The truth is, is that even with AI, there's still so, a human in the box somewhere fixing things. As my good friend Kimberly likes to say, she's been in tech support forever. The internet is not magic. Right. There's usually there's Thank somebody you for stating that there's yes. a bunch of people in there doing work and that's how it gets done. The so entire world is the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. So there is a dude or a lady sitting in a box somewhere flipping a switch to determine when the play clock starts. Mm-hmm. Now, they've been doing this in basketball for years and in football, obviously, for years when they when they reset the, the you know, in football, they have the, the clock and in basketball, they have the 24 second shot clock. But baseball, this is brand new. You know, this mm-hmm. is sort of new. How do you think this is going to go? I mean, you know there's going to be some arguments at some point, oh, right? Uh, big big time. I mean, who's who's to say when you're in Yankee Stadium that the Astros clock is shortened? You know, who's to say when the Yankees are in town that the in Houston that the Houston clock operator might just be a little quick on the trigger, you know, just to speed things up and and, and make it a little bit of an t- issue, but you know, the, the FTC is going to do their best to kind of, uh, you know, make it an equal playing ground. But I think yeah. the, those clock operators are going to need to, you know, be in witness protection programs in certain cities to right. get in and out of the ballpark because there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. Uh, obviously, there's going to be leeway that first year, I would imagine, or maybe even mm-hmm. the first three months before everybody expe- has expectations on how it should work, the more comfortable we get with it. Right. But... You know, I do think it's interesting that, you know, that clock is running until you do start your motion. Uh, you know, there's times where you're trying to, you know, change your pace on the mound with a runner at first base. You're yeah. trying to hold for a little bit longer, but that's going to have to be adjusted. And then, uh, you know, there's also, I didn't know if you, I don't know if you saw this or if it was in that article, but that 30 second clock in between hitters, yeah. you know, that's something that there's going to have to be communication between the clock operator and the, and the uh, home plate umpire trying to figure out when that 30-second clock starts right. after the hitter to get the hitter in the new hitter in the box. And, and so there's going to be a lot of things going on. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot to uh, determine when when that pitcher starts his motion. I know there was a lot of uh, talk about Kevin Gosman, yes. his set position. He had about nine steps before he actually came set. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to eliminate that. I still don't understand the Luis Garcia rule. No uh, more rock the baby. Yeah, but if he's in, that's part of his motion. If he's there's nobody on base, and he goes to rock the baby, the clock stops. He delivers the pitch. I don't. I still don't understand that. I feel like it's just a. He's a Houston Astro. He can't do that. I feel like it's just an Astro rule. Well, you know, but, I read the story about that. You know, just not to interrupt you, but they they said no, that please do now that they can only take one step forward and one step back. Like that's been the rule apparently forever. They just never enforced it allegedly. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I know. Yeah. Luis Garcia is successful, Has uh, wears orange and blue, has a star on his hat, and won a World Series. So that we're going to penalize him and make sure nobody ever does it again. Thanks, Rob Manfred. That's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah exactly. I Yeah, I don't. I, I can tell you right now, this is going to create some serious chaos, though, at some point. There's going to be... Oh, man. I, and well, it how sucks... Many, I, you know as well as I do. It, 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 baseball, is, you know, baseball is, a, is a game of moments. 
You know, yeah. like in uh, basketball, you have these runs, you know, where you get this mm-hmm. momentum, you call timeout, and you try and shift the momentum. In baseball, you could have your moment in the second inning. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's a pitch clock situation where, uh, you know, it's ball four or it's strike three to a hitter with runners in scoring position, or if you uh, go to pick off on that third time or you've got to step off and there's a runner moving, mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, I, I, I really hope that there's not a pennant decided on some of these clock issues. Yeah, exactly. And and I tell you, too, there's so many things to think about in the field. You know, I mean, there's now I mean, there's already like pickoff throws and uh, mm-hmm. throwing, you know, and there's and there's hitting the cutoff man and there's, you know, and where to which base to throw to. And like there's already a million things that you have to consider as a ball player on the field. Now you're just adding a whole nother layer of complexity, especially for catchers. Um, no, you're right. It's I completely gonna be, agree about the complexity of it. It's going to be wild. And and what's funny, too, is I just think about pitchers who, like, okay, they throw a pitch, and then they just want to stop real quick to, like, grab a rosin bag. Or mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, I, I, I saw a guy, I'm trying to remember who it was last year, it wasn't Astros, who had to tie his shoe, right? Yeah. And I'm there, thinking... There has to be some, dis, you know, some discrimination or some judgment by the umpire on that. Because if well, I'm a hitter, yeah. you know... You know, Derek Jeter wouldn't survive in this era because he can't put the hand up to call timeout. Right. They they've eliminated that, but there's also there was a college game where the I think it was UT actually where the hitter's screaming, timeout, timeout, time, and he never got it. So what if you do have something in your eye, or what if you're the pitcher that's like, dude, I'm about to throw a ball with a loose shoelace? I mean, what do you do? Right. Yeah, it is very weird. You know, and the, and we talk about discretion. One of my favorite things in baseball, and one of the things I think sort of just goes back to the more sort of genteel nature of the sport, is when a catcher uh, takes a ball, get, gets hit, or when a hitter gets hit, and there's like a little moment where they're trying to sort of catch their breath, and the the umpire will just walk out and dust off home plate. Yeah, like the, just the as professional a professional courtesy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He'll just be like, "All right, let me give this guy a second to like get mm-hmm. his stuff together." There's got to be some of that still built into this. I mean, just for like Absolutely. you said, what if somebody's got something in their eye, or what if you know, like, I, it's it's a very weird scenario. Um, and one one other thing about this uh, about this thing too is about the not just the pitch clock, but the timing of all this. Of obviously, guys can't throw over to first anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, at least no more than I think it's twice. But here's yep. the interesting thing about that: they didn't limit catchers. So catchers, <laughs> so there's going to be some definitely some shots by catchers who are good at it. Uh, they had a story about uh, the guy, the Braves, Sean Murphy, who mm-hmm. has a, like talking about how quick he was to first. Maldi's the same way. Yeah, there're going to be some serious pickoff throws from catchers happening this year if the pitcher can't do it. And then what's actually, next? They're going to limit yeah, that. Yeah, you actually, I know. Well, like, shh, you never know. Uh, I mean, obviously, unilateral decisions happen in baseball, but uh, I'm kind of curious now that you made me, you know, you thought about the catchers. I'm just going to fire down to first base and give my pitcher an extra 10 seconds to get, yes. a, to get a breather or for me to decide what pitch to give to him. Right. What, what if the catcher just, you know, a ball in the dirt, you got to throw it out, you got to get a new baseball. What if I'm the catcher and I'm just kind of like, well, if I hold on to it for a little bit longer and maybe fake a pump to first base or investigate the seams on the baseball or just kind of adjust my shin guard real quick and then throw the ball back to the pitcher, right. then the clock starts. I mean, yes. don't, don't ever under, <laughs> underestimate the ability of a professional athlete to manipulate the rules. 
Oh, especially Maldonado. You know Maldi. He'll he might Salty do it. He might veteran. Oh yeah, he might be back there. Like he might just be dance for a second. Be like that might be yeah. like his new Check move or something. It's like yeah, <laughs> so checking his nails to make sure the color looks good on him. You know mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of that. I also think it is going to be a big deal. I mean, if you're a catcher who's new. You know, or to the oh, to the ball could you club. Imagine being a rookie in this situation. Yeah, at, at least with the rookies, they've dealt with the pitch clock already. True. So for them, they're kind of used to it. But just to deal with the being in the major league level, and the Astros are likely going to have a backup catcher that's a yeah. rookie. You're right. So you those guys are just going to have to have it drilled into them. It's going to be like finals week for them mm-hmm. for sure. So it, I think it's going to be it'll be fun to watch in the preseason. I hope it doesn't mess things up. You know when we're you know off oh, and running into real games. I'm going to be fascinated by it. Yeah, if you're watching a couple of games on TV and I go dark, it's probably because I'm I'm trying to watch clocks, watch players, watch mannerisms, and just see what's going on. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think it'll be good during spring training to kind of watch that to see like because yeah. I'm also curious where they're going to put the pitch clock. Like, isn't it? It's does it go right behind the catcher? Like, how is it going to work? Yeah, so in I don't know how it is in spring training, obviously, because I haven't been there, but I will figure that out when I get down there and we can talk about it more. But I yeah. know that initially the emails that I've gotten from MLB and some of the uh, video mm-hmm. uh, explanations that I've seen is there's supposed to be a clock on each side of the batter's eyes. So if you're a right-handed hitter, it's easy to see. If you're left-handed hitter, it's easy to see. And I think it also has something to do with the pitcher and the way they come set so the umpire can see kind of through the pitcher mm. to the clock and be able to uh, – identify if they're you know if the clock is at zero if they need to penalize uh, the pitcher but behind home plate there's also supposed to be one behind the right you know just off the right-handed hitters box and the left-handed hitters box so that there's some you know there's a there's a clear line of sight for whoever's you know from center field can see that clock and I don't know if you know this either but there's going to be a little bit of a buzzer or some kind of indicator on the umpire that will indicate to him when that clock is expired that he can throw his hands up if, so he doesn't necessarily have to watch the clock himself. Wow. That's going to shock some people early on. You know they're going to be yeah. sitting there and just doing their thing. I wouldn't thing. mind if it like, was yeah. a shock caller. They're going to get, <laughs> get buzzed and be like, ah, what the hell was that? You know, there's going to be definitely some jumpy. <laughs> I can see yeah. it for sure. That is, I mean, just more things to look at. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot. In the NBA, when you have to see that, the, you, how, there, there are multiple times in any game Mm-hmm. That doesn't involve Chris Paul at point guard, where guys don't know what the shot clock is, <laughs> yeah, right? You know, where guys are just like uh, the clock is ticking down, somebody's yelling "shot clock," and they're like fire, throwing balls up from, you know, and it happens in the NFL. You see it all the time. I know. Where all of a sudden, guys come out of the huddle and they're like, uh, "We got three seconds left to snap the ball," and they're like, "Timeout," you know. Yeah. So it's gonna happen in baseball too. Yeah. Well, I'm curious too because you know uh, I went and watched uh, you know Razorback baseball this this past yeah, week. I saw they that. had the clock, and it was it was kind of interesting to to see the clock and anticipate the pitch. That was kind of cool. You knew that there was potentially something to happen, so you weren't caught looking at your phone or looking at, or talking to a mm. friend, and all of a sudden, oh, there was a pitch. What was it? You know, you knew when that pitch was coming. The other thing is is going to a college basketball game or an NBA game. How many times have you seen the shot clock? In the arena, get down to five seconds, and you hear the fans. Yes. Five. Yes. Four. 
Yes. Is that going to happen before a pitch is yes. thrown? I, that's gonna, yes. That'll be fascinating, too, because fans will, fans will get used to it and start to anticipate it. Well, and baseball fans, too, are particularly unique and things like that. Like, they, there oh, are the man, traditions yeah. that fans take on, like the Chaz Chop or whatever it is. Yep. People, they, they really get into that. So I can see certain ballparks, particularly mm-hmm. really obnoxious ballparks, <laughs> cough Boston, no. um, you know, <laughs> really becoming a real pain in the butt about, you know, like shouting out. On the visiting out, pitcher, right? Oh, if you, the visiting exactly. pitcher gets down to that 5-4-3, I'm screaming, 5-4-3, or, or pressure. It, or even worse, starting the five four three at like ten seconds, <laughs> just to be, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, the mind games. I'm telling you, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real interesting. Uh, it's gonna be fascinating. I'm I'm really mm-hmm. fascinated to watch. This might be one of the most interesting spring trainings we've seen in a while. I hope a lot of people are watching because it's gonna really. I think it's really gonna translate a lot. Um, yeah. So I wanted to get your take on who are some Astros that are going to be worth watching in spring training. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some interesting storylines already. I mean, Mauricio Dubon, like, gained 20 pounds by nearly eating himself to death, apparently. 5,000 yeah. calories a day, bro. What were you just, Damn. like, and it's not 5,000. Like, I mean, people are like, I could just eat four brownies. Like, that's not what he's eating. He's eating, yeah. like, 5,000 calories worth of chicken breast or whatever. Yeah, it's a strategic move. Yeah, that, it's uh, just yeah. nuts. And then Maldi dropped like 17 pounds, which, mm-hmm. you know, he was trying to get thinner. We have Forrest Whitley trying to make another comeback. McCullers with the quote-unquote minor injury, which, you know, who knows what that's going to be. Hunter Brown in year two. I mean, who are the guys mm-hmm. you're watching in spring training this year? Oh, man. It, it, it's it's crazy how I've always been in the past been a veteran guy just going – Let's see the adjustments Altuve makes. Let's see yeah. the adjustments that Bregman makes. Oh, I can't wait to watch Michael Brantley, you know, you know, yes. work without the shift or Kyle Tucker in these things. So those are kind of the obvious stories storylines, but I think you're kind of hitting it in, in that sweet spot with the pitching rotation <clears throat> because you and I both know we sat on this podcast and I'm like, the Astros rotation will survive without Justin Verlander because of Lance McCullers. And who's to say that Lance won't give us you know, 25 you know, starts. Maybe he bounces back relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of the situation yet, but it was a little discouraging for me just because he was one of those keys when Verlander left that I was like, dude, don't sweat it. We got Lance McCullers Jr. for a full season. This is great. And now you you don't know when he's going to be able to get in, hopefully sooner than later. But it does open up the opportunity for a guy like Hunter Brown, who may have been 10th on that Rookie of the Year list. I saw mm-hmm. one the other day that has him as that fourth best opportunity to win Rookie of the Year. Yep. And instead of forcing him into a six-man rotation where there's a possibility, he he's going to, I believe, if he pitches the way he can, he will be that fifth guy in the rotation. So, so that will be a lot of fun to watch and see how they manage his season. Because, again, you got to manage some of these young guys to make sure they're good in October because you're going to October. And then Forrest Whitley. I mean, I am fascinated by Forrest Whitley because we have followed him for, what, six years Mm -hmm. now. And he should be, in our minds, he's probably 32. In (laughs) reality, he's like 23, right? In reality, he's only 23, 24. So there's plenty of life in that arm. And hopefully, you know, he's got the mechanics and he's got the mindset to go out there and do some damage, which would be a lot of fun to watch. But I'm watching Yiner Diaz, Corey Lee. And, uh, you know, the center field. I'm kind of curious to what happens in center field because, you know, Chaz played well enough to get the spot, but it still sounds like, you know, Jake Myers might have an opportunity to sneak in there. 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss seeing Pedro Leon out there since he's got this. I am too. I, 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 I love that guy. I kind of wish he was gonna be up there just to see what he can do. Um, I'm with you, Blum, on all of those. Uh, I think, you know, looking at this, look, the pitching rotation. Look, Lance McCullers has never thrown more than he's only thrown more than 150 innings once in his entire mm-hmm. career. So there's no reason to think during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. during the regular season, no reason to think. <laughs> that Lance McCullers isn't going to have some kind of injury issue. It's just part of his, you know, resume as a baseball player. And that's fine. If mm-hmm. the main key for him is if he's healthy going into the postseason. If he's healthy for the second half of the year, the last third of the year, and he's healthy going into the postseason, you can get away with because the team's depth is so good at, at you know, so I'm not concerned about resting him. Kind of like Jordan has this sore hand right now. Like just rest Jordan. It's not going to matter. He'll be fine. He played through a sore yeah. hand last year. By the way, hottest stretch of the season, basically, with a sore hand. <laughs> yeah, so we could maybe keep that thing sore. I don't know. But yeah, it I, made his swing decisions even better than they already were. I know. So <laughs> you know. So it's like. So yeah. So I think that. Um, I think yeah. It's that, uh, for me. I'm gonna like. You know. I'm definitely gonna be watching the catching position battle probably more than anything. It feels like to me the backup catcher is Yiners to lose, uh, mm-hmm. just because he can. He seems to be ahead. Of Corey Lee, pretty significantly at the plate, um, and uh, that's the one that I'm going to watch because Corey Lee. Look, if he can hit, he's clearly the better defensive catcher. Um, mm-hmm. And Yiner's a guy they want to maybe even move around. He could play. Also, Michael Brantley might play some first base. Apparently, yeah, they kind of saw the video of him taking ground balls over there. I know. Yeah. I know. Some of that is just training camp nonsense you know they yeah. where they put guys in different spots just to see what happens see what kind yeah, of it forces chan the rome and brian mctaggart to take an extra picture <laughs> exactly like they were taking <laughs> like everyone was lined up uh for luis Bo- uh, garcia's first bullpen session you know just oh. to see his like there was I, I saw a picture and there were just dudes lined up all the way around watching to see his pitching mm-hmm. motion it's like because he can't rock the baby anymore. It's like, all yeah. right, I'm sure Luis Garcia will be fine. He didn't rock the baby. He's just done that for his whole career anyway. Uh, that mm-hmm. that did, I read a story where he said, you know, that he that he used to just go into the regular, you know, into the regular windup. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. I think he'll be fine. But um, yeah, it's. I think there's going to be some good stuff in spring training. And speaking of Alvarez, let's. T- <laughs> so MLB came out with its top 100 players. Which is fun, mm-hmm. um, and they did their t- they, I, they listed their top ten yesterday, and I'm going through this and and you know, so I'm just going to run them down from ten to one, yep, and then we can kind of talk about them. Uh, ten, Freddie Freeman. Um, nine, Jordan Alvarez. That's the one I really want to talk about. Number eight, mm-hmm. Jose Ramirez. Uh, seven, Paul Goldschmidt, which, by the way, I think that's kind of low as well. Paul Goldschmidt yeah. maybe needs to be a little higher than seven. Six, Nolan Ar- uh, Arenado. Five, Manny Machado. Four, Mookie Betts. Three, Mike Trout. Two, Aaron Judge. And one, Shohei Otani. Now, I think the number one is, I don't think anybody can really argue with Shohei Otani being <laughs> number one. How can you, man? I mean, great hitter and a great pitcher. Uh, you know, just a total unicorn. Um, some of these I don't have a real problem with, but I, first of all, let's just Aaron Judge at number two. Aaron Judge is a very, very, very good baseball player, but is he really a number two when you're talking about guys like Mike Trout and, frankly, Jordan? I, their numbers yeah. were not that different last year other than homers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, I you just, put Jordan in Yankee Stadium. Who knows what he does? Right. Ex- bingo. Right. So I don't want to be. Who cares? Right. It's just a stupid yeah. top one hundred. Well, it's list. a popularity contest too. I mean, there's a little bit of that involved. Honestly, the one that got I, the, Jordan and Paul Goldschmidt, I feel like both need to be way higher on that list. Paul Goldschmidt, don't sleep on that guy. I mean, dude, he's he's been one of my favorites. I was with him in Arizona when he was a rookie, and you, yeah. he was a guy that you looked at him, and you went, "Oh my gosh, this guy is going to kill the league," and he's still doing it. But he, he's so well rounded, and he's so well respected, and he's so smart, so good. But I'm with you, Goldschmidt could have been a little bit higher for for me. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they put Jose Ramirez on there because I'm a huge fan of too. him. You know, switch hitting and doing what he does on a team where the expectation is that he has to carry that team, and yeah. he does. Yeah, it is amazing. And Nolan to me. Arenado too, same thing. Dude. Like, I thought it's, that's a that's a sleeper pick right there. That I don't those, think those a lot of people know. Best corner guys is. in the league. Yes. Arenado and Goldschmidt, easily. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I think it's a it's it's a fascinating list. Like I said, I don't really care. Who cares? I just think Jordan. I think what happened to him. Is he suffered because he's because he DHs? He lot. still has that DH label. Yeah, yeah. And so I think he just it's the defense that suffers. And Judge is a good defensive center fielder, um, yeah. you know. But I do I I just wonder about Judge being at number two. Like I almost feel like it's got to be either Trout or you know or uh, even Mookie Betts. These are guys like Judge is is tremendous. And I'm not to, not here to dump on the Yankees. Well, Judge is tremendous, but Mike Trout may show up and hit 50 home runs this year just to prove everybody wrong. I know Mike Trout is just and and granted, I think there's there's something. It feels like some of his image has been tarnished by the fact that he got this giant contract. You know, yeah, he was one of the first people to really get one of those big 10, 11 year deals, mm-hmm. and and he hasn't quite lived up to it. I mean, although he's still, you know, arguably the best player in baseball. Um, I was interested to see Freddie Freeman uh, make that list at number 10. I think he deserves it, but I think it was kind of an interesting uh, uh, position to put him in there. I'm glad you mentioned Jose Ramirez. You know, you don't see too much of their games. You know, like, I mean, it's just not a— you should watch him. He's good. Man, he is good at third base. Like, he is—he and— he and Arenado are just, you know, and Machado, right? I mean, this there's oh. yeah, there's three third basemen on here, and rightfully so. The hot corner mm-hmm. is not an easy position to play, as you well know, Blummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is before we we knew what exit velocity was. I was just like, I feel like this guy's trying to kill me at third base. I was going to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, what's great about this list in this top 100 is I saw a stat the other day that had the Astros and the Mets had the most – players in the top 100 with eight Makes sense. so that basically is your starting lineup and maybe Framber Valdez <laughs> and Christian Javier mixed in there so uh, the Astros are in very good shape and then the New York Mets had eight also mm-hmm. I think the Dodgers are around five guys in that top 100 but uh, it gives a it gives a lot of credit to what the Astros have been able to do as far as accruing talent and having them perform extremely well in their uniform, but uh, yeah. you know it, it, this thing's going to completely shift. But those are that's a pretty strong ten, and you know Freddie Freeman's good, but it feels sentimental, you know, because everybody likes him so much. Right, right, and especially leaving the Braves and going, you yeah. know, I think there's some of that. Blummer, speaking of that, what's the hottest shot you ever got hit at you that you caught? Oh Never? dear God, that I caught? Yeah, that oh, you caught. I mean. Well, you, you, I don't use the term I caught, 
I, I, I use the term I got caught. And it was, you know, playing third base, sometimes you're in self-preservation mode. Right. And guys will hit rockets, and they'll just be line drives. I remember I was playing for the Padres, and Greg Maddox is on the mound. And Matt, Greg Maddox was a guy that would look at me at third base, and he'd be like, hey, man, if I get to this count, be ready. And I'm like, what the heck? And sure enough, he'd kind of get to the, you know, one, two, two, two count. And he'd kind of look over at me and give me a little head nod. And I'm like, all right, here we go, whatever. And I mean, Carlos Lee hit the hardest line drive I've ever had hit at me. And it would have squared me up right in the face. And I just kind of had to put my hands up and just kind of block it, catch it. But it, that was probably the hardest hit ball. But I had uh, two instances where a ball ricocheted off my foot or off my shin, and I didn't see it. You didn't see it? No. And one of the t- my first time was when I was, uh, I think it was my second year with Montreal, and they had me playing third base, and I was still getting used to the position. And this will give you another idea how old I am. Devon White was leading off for the Dodgers. And it was day game, and I was playing him in on a bunt situation, and the pitch came in. I lost sight of it as it got to the contact zone because it was so freaking bright and those pale seats behind him. And then all of a sudden, I hear this whack. And I'm like, oh, dear God, where is it? And I feel it clip my pant leg as it went into left field. And I, or I was like, all right, I think I'm going to need some shades or some kind of uh, identifier to find the ball. But then there was another time. And this guy's this guy scared me to death half the time was Gary Sheffield. Oh God, Sheffield! Yeah. He crushed baseballs. Dude, like that, he just that, mangled baseballs when he hit them. Yeah, I mean, I I say that Jordan, you know, really hates the baseball. So did Gary Sheffield. Yeah, he swung so violently, and he would get the head out so quickly that it was you know you had to react to the the quick quick swing and the way the ball jumped off his bat. But there was a we had a rain delay in spring training in you know 08 maybe or might have been earlier than that but i'm playing third base roy's on roy oswalt's on the mound and sheffield comes up and i'm playing with my heels like i normally do on the outfield grass like i would have probably been penalized this day and age because i was partially in the outfield Mm -hmm. and uh he proceeds to throw this fastball gary sheffield gets the you know gets the head out on it and i think i'm going down to prepare for this ground ball and it skips off the grass and it hit my right hip as it like shot into left field, I'm like, dear God, I had, I couldn't even get my, gl- I saw that one, but I didn't have the, the time to get my glove to it. And that's where I was like, oh dear God, I, I need to get a little bit ready, a little bit quicker against this guy. Man, that is, um, I mean, that's gotta be terrifying. Like it's oh, yeah. just, just coming out. Well, you. it's terrifying in the sense I almost died. And then the second thing is, is like my entire third base dugout's going, oh my God, Plummer, you suck. You, what are you doing? Catch the ball. You know? <laughs> <laughs> did, did those did it hurt when he hit you in the, in the hip or was it just graze you no it was a glancing blow thank That's god good. yeah yeah because nobody yeah. went i mean the just hit, being i've been hit by a baseball uh once i don't before recommend in my it life. it's no it's not fun it's not fun no. i was playing like it was one of the rare times i was playing street ball with somebody and we actually played with a baseball god only knows why and uh <laughs> kid threw and bean me and he, you know, he was throwing thirty miles an hour, probably. And I yeah. mean, so I can't imagine. Like, I, I've talked to some. I have a, a couple of friends who've been in like batting cages with like major mm. league pitchers, oh, and man. and like just even seeing a pitch thrown terrified them. Right? Yeah, so I would I, love to have every single fan who ever has gone to a baseball game or ever will just stand in the box, not swing, just I'd stand there. 
and watch. I'd love to stand in the box and watch a pitch. I would probably dive out of the way at every pitch, regardless of I whether it was a, it. a ball yeah. or a strike. I would probably hit the deck and be laughed at, but I wouldn't care. Like the ones that always get me are the breaking balls that look like they're going to hit you, and then they end up mm-hmm. like strike those kind of things. Like yeah, that to me, I think I think you're right. I think fans, I think fans would do well to to see what that's like, or to just yeah. stand in the outfield and have a ball hit towards them. I mean, even that, you know, because mm-hmm. it's hard to see. Like it's if you yeah. when I'm telling you when we, I think I've told you this before, but I've sat out in the Crawford boxes and you see a ball come and you're like I have no idea where that ball could, like it's either <laughs> going to come straight at my face or it's going to mm-hmm. land on the first base in the first base bleach. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where it's going, right? Because it's just yeah. so hard to judge that depth and 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 all that stuff in a big stadium like that. It's very complicated. So yeah, yep. I would. That's a good idea, Blummer. You should just. Like pitch that one to the Astros, be like, let's line up the fans, get somebody oh, man. out there. I bet there you there's for... a lot of players that would line up to be able to be a part of that too. Oh, you know there would be. <laughs> you know there would be. There'd be some guys going, come on, let's go. Here comes, yeah. here comes, was it? Uh, here comes the deuce. And when you speak yeah. of me, speak well. Yep. <laughs> That's gonna be it. All right, Blummer. Any final thoughts? You have big plans this weekend? I know you're getting ready to go down to spring training and start calling games, right? Yeah, I'm actually gonna try and leave here in about a half an hour, and I have not packed yet, Holy which should crap. be very interesting. So, uh, thank goodness we have polos that coordinate, and uh, those will be going in the bag. But yeah, I'll be down there for the next week in spring training, calling games on TV and radio. Awesome. Sounds great. We'll all be listening and watching, of course. Uh, and we will be back next week with a fresh podcast. Hopefully we can get Blummer on in between some of those games. Yep. And uh, brought to you by Bet Online. Again, a huge thanks to all the listeners and everybody who's uh, watching and listening to this podcast. Um, watching, I'm sorry uh, if you're watching because sometimes it's eight o'clock in the morning and i just mm. woke up and it, we, you know and i'm not at my i'm not at my finest most suave peak <laughs> exactly um but thanks to everybody's watching and like uh watching and listening keep liking and subscribing uh keep leaving us those comments uh keep it coming spring training is on us and it's a very exciting time to be an astros fan and to be a baseball fan in general so have a great weekend everybody go astros Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.